This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hey, True Northies. We are back with another Unpacked episode. If you haven't checked out one of our Unpacked episodes, this is a new segment that Rachel and I are exploring in 2021. Basically, rather than having a single traditional guest come on, we are selecting a topic and we're inviting our listeners, people who've been on the podcast before, really anyone that wants to play and we jam on this topic. So it's a space to get curious, to bring in different perspectives, to learn from each other and to have a conversation amongst multiple different people on our different experiences, thoughts and perspectives on the topic. So today we are going to be chatting about the idea of chasing happiness or the concept of lightness that's thrown around quite a bit in the wellness world. If there is a specific topic that you're currently wrestling with that you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, please let us know or let us know if you want to jump into our next episode of Unpacked. All right, enjoy. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to be back for another mashup episode and These episodes really are just an opportunity for Rachel and I and people in our community to get together and jam on a topic just like we would if we were friends at a coffee shop or hanging out over a dinner party or whatever is your vibe. Um, And we, in one of our collectives, I believe, someone that was in attendance brought up the idea of chasing happiness or like a lot of us talk about wanting to be light or feeling this lightness and and what does that even mean? So we're like, yeah, let's do a mashup episode on it. So we're here and we have some of our friends from the podcasting world um, to participate with us. And we'll go ahead and, and have you guys introduce yourself, just saying your name, where you're from, and where in your life or what areas in your life are you currently chasing happiness? I'm uh, Christy Conicella. I'm a filmmaker here in uh, sunny Los Angeles, California. Um, and where in my life I'm chasing happiness would be all those bits of my life that I missed because I was working so much uh, that I did not realize I was missing out on until my life was upended last year with COVID. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful journey. I'm excited to hear more about that. Uh, I'm Brandon Schwitter. I'm a podcaster and YouTuber and the former assistant winemaker based out of San Luis Obispo, California. And uh, I'm currently chasing happiness by trying to be a creative and um, also just following my passion in um, uh, making wine. So cool. Really cool. I love that we're all in California. I don't, like that doesn't oh, yeah. kind of like a rarity. We did a mashup and I'm like, oh, hey, actually, we're all in California right now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, Janelle, do you want me to answer next? Okay. I am in California now. And the first thing that I thought of when I thought of chasing happiness, I don't, I have to say that what resonates with me more about the question is the chasing piece. I don't know if I'm ever necessarily chasing happiness, but where I'm chasing something is in partnership, like connection with people. I feel like I'm I'm chasing a feeling um, or a type of connection um, with with people, specifically like a deeper connection. Um, And I'm recently single after having been in relationships for 20 years. And I'm 
very aware of like where I'm chasing after um, some sort of feeling that I think I can get with another person when I'm, I, I know that I could get it on my own, but it's like the experience of that is like not integrated yet. Um, so I'd say that's probably the biggest place where I'm playing with this, this idea. Awesome. And I'm Janelle, also in San Luis Obispo. Woo woo, Brandon. And where am I chasing happiness? I, I think I'm, I've actually, so this conversation is interesting for us to have because I feel like I've actually been really happy for the most part, but um, the, maybe like the missing piece that I feel like I'm chasing after is almost like holding on to the happiness that I've cultivated in itself. And then um, I think if we just go on the chasing piece, the, the monetary side, it's like, I've started to build this life that I'm really excited about and happy about. And I currently don't have a way to fund it. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's chasing on that side. And like the chasing is almost in trying to hold on to what I've created and, and cultivated and like the fear around losing what I've built. I, I'm curious, um, what, um, when we think about chasing happiness, like what, what do you think the reason is that we chase things? Well, I mean, I think it's a natural proclivity of kind of human beings to think that there's something somewhere else that will satisfy what they feel like they're missing in the moment. And it was, I actually kind of jumped on the, like wanting to be a part of this because this is really something that I've been thinking about for the past year, where how do you go from chasing it to seeing it in your everyday life? And it, it has kind of come to me in a very practical practice, actually, where you are trying to unwind all the things that you had learned about like ambition and like why we always are chasing for things and how we can ultimately stop. And I feel like that that is something that we can, that we can, as humans can do. And the moment that I kind of stopped looking for happiness, that's when it started kind of coming right through my front door. Uh, you just, it was like a perspective change that went from it's at the end of this road to, well, how do I make it on the road that I'm currently walking? <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting uh, way to look at it because some people look at happiness as like the opposite of sad and you can only, you only feel uh, happy if you know what sadness is and um, like being separated from it and chasing happiness has become kind of like the narrative in movies and um, television and uh, ad advertising, everything you're looking at stuff that makes you want to be or that makes you think you're going to be happy uh so you they're they're trying to trick you into thinking that you're chasing it instead of you know finding your own way to it or it finding its way to you like you said yeah it's an interesting um like the idea of stop chasing it when you stop chasing it it shows up it's so cliche because it is, I mean, it is true. Like we've all experienced it in some capacity, but even when I've experienced that in my life, when there's a new arena that I'm playing in, I'm still like, Oh, are you sure? <laughs> you want me to stop trying so hard? I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so it is, it's like something that feels 
like just stop. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I personally, um, I still struggle with it. And I think I have to actually stop thinking about it. It's like, if I'm trying to not try, that's still trying. And so I have to basically like really not even be paying attention to the arena almost. And just like coming back to me, like going on walks, figuring out how to reground being like, oh, I am here in this present moment. And what do I want right now? What do I need right now? And then kind of the things that I am chasing seem to sort of work themselves out, it seems. Yeah, I was going to say chasing for me comes from a place of not trusting, right? I'm chasing it because I don't think I can, like, it'll just show up on its own. And that's not to say we're just like passive in everything we do. Um, But if I don't think that the thing is possible or it seems like really far out of reach or I'm like grasping for something and there's a, there's a lack of trust in my life that um, the thing that I want or the, it, it sounds like a little like, oh, but like the things that are meant for you, right. Are, are coming to me. So I generally find if I'm not in trust, whether it be with myself, with what the world can provide for me, or even just like the, the sense of knowing that even like this things work out, even if you don't think they're working out, they're working out. Um, I start to chase when I'm not grounded in those concepts. Cause then I'm like really trying to almost control actually like the chase is an act of controlling and trying to make my own narrative of what I think is best for me. And there's of course a balance in that. How is that working out for you? It's been better than it ever has, but I definitely get back to my default. I mean, it's hard. Like I've been making some really hard decisions right now in my life around career or around where I'm living because everything is so fluid from, you know, ending relationships to um, not having a job to just deciding, hey, I don't want to stay in Wisconsin. So I'm just going to pick back up and go to California with like zero plan. Um, and so that all takes trust, right. That it'll be okay. And that I can figure out what, you know, whatever scenario comes, but the funny part about it is if I can trust and not be anxious in the unknown of not really having a plan. Like I said before, like when I really sit in and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm actually really happy and I've built this life that I want. It just has some key pieces missing, but I can still like some very key pieces, income, permanent housing, you know, those things, but, um, but I can find happiness in like the day to day. So it's like, it's been a complete like 180 of what, how I used to be my life and life in general. And uh, housing around here is super expensive. So that's fun too. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, let's go live in one of the most expensive cities and not have a job. (laughs) Let's have things work out. Just kidding. Not help actively make sure that they work out while still dancing with the universe. I I like that you phrase it that way because, um, you know, uh, from my perspective, it's more like uh, jumping off of a cliff um, or, you know, that, that danger that you feel when you're about to to take a new step in life or uh, in, any sort of journey, but it's, it's just that, that exhilarating, uh, moment of excitement of not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and seeing if you can make something of it, but 
to to hear it from a oh I know everything's going to work out perspective is is um, refreshing uh, because I feel like most people would see that as a super scary challenge. And it is super scary. And trying to stay grounded in the the trust, and that's like where the hap- the happiness of like the journey I think comes in. But what were you going to say, Rachel? I was going to say as um, as somebody who's been alongside you through this whole thing, it's it isn't that you don't have the anxieties and you don't have the fears and you aren't having days or moments where you like reach and are grasping. Those do are still there, and I think that is a part of the dance of being human. It's like, I don't know if you don't, I guess the good thing about chasing is that it gives you something to work towards. It gives you like, you know, if you weren't trying to reach towards anything, you know, maybe you would just sit still and not do anything. And so there is a benefit to that energy. And, um, but when that's the only thing that is um, playing in the sandbox, then you're just like running in a circle. And um, so, yeah, I just, I think it, as an outsider listening in, it could be easy to hear you and be like, fuck, like she had fucking figured it out. And like, she's, you know, whatever this age and like, I'm this and I, and start to compare. And the, the reality is, is that, um, you know, probably as a percentage you're tipping more of the scales towards the trust side and you're really building that muscle, but it's not because the rest of you doesn't still exist because those parts are needed too. Yeah. There's been uh, even today, it's like, I can have a, you know, it's holding them both. It's like, I can have a good day and be doing something that's really fun and be happy. And there's still definitely an undercurrent of anxiety because I have been taking risks and risks don't and they eventually work out, but it's also like how long, right? I just took a really big risk and the short-term benefit that I was hoping to get from it did not happen, you know, and now I have to sit in that and then hope that there's some, or like trust that there is something else coming, which is not actually that fun a lot of times. Well, I think when well, I can, I'm sorry. I was just no, going to go, go. right, that it, it is absolutely a muscle because we're all, we all are like born and raised to like strive for stability and control and knowing, but I feel like throughout this time of, especially, you know, since COVID began, the one thing that I, that was just abundantly apparent is that we have no control over anything. So then it's like, well, what's our choices? We can continue with life as it was and just pretend like nothing's going to change and nothing's going to throw us off course. Or we can look at it and say, hey, something, something beyond my control can take away everything in a moment. Now, is, is this the life that if, if this were my last day, would I, is this the life that I, that would have made me ultimately happy if this were my last day? And I know for me, uh, it was like, no, no, it was not. It was not, you know, and, um, and you taking that risk is, is really incredible. Uh, but I think Rachel is right. If you keep working that muscle, then it's, you're just going to, you're going to run into whatever you're looking for and whatever you need, because you're already planting the seeds of, you know, what you need uh, in what you do today. So if you continue to do the things that you think will benefit you tomorrow, today, in that, in that striving or in that goal setting and whatnot, then ultimately tomorrow something will grow. 
but you have to build that trust muscle <laughs> and it's hard. Totally. It's the practice. Yeah. I would, um, I would love to jump into kind of both of your stories and maybe Christy, we can start with you because you had hinted at it in your intro, just with COVID and in the industry you're in and how your shift in to the chasing happinesses um, has happened. Like where were you before and how has it changed? Well, uh, before COVID, I made uh, about 65% of my income working in live events. Uh, conferences, award shows, concerts, everything that does not exist. Um, and so when on, it was actually my birthday, March 13th, last year, I sat in this chair right in front of me and I was like looking at everything that was going on going, oh my God, my life is over. Everything that I worked for since I was 19 years old was just gone overnight. This billion dollar industry was just done. And so it was, you know, it was a couple of months where it was a sense of loss that I was feeling because my entire identity was really tied into what I did uh, working in production. And every day, like 95% of my thought process is when I'm going to work, you know, how much money I'm making. Uh, what I'm, am I still booking? Am I booking enough for this month? Cause it was, you know, it's my, it was my own business. And when I had no access to even to any of those thoughts, I have no access to the source of what those thoughts are or what, you know, what would satisfy those thoughts. Then I was kind of came face to face with this abyss of who am I, who am I without this? Um, and so I went through, I mean, it, it, I, I, and I'm very, I don't want to, I'm very fortunate uh, in my circumstances where, you know, where I live and, and uh, the things that I have, that I have earned uh, throughout my career and whatnot, you know, a roof over my head and all, all of that. Um, but just not knowing where to go and what to do and who I am and how to make money and how to live my life. And am I going to you know, move back to Florida and live with my mom for the rest of my life? Am I a total failure now? Because I got through 15 years of, of this career and I really had nothing to show for it. I had no money in the bank and it, it was like, oh my God, I, I've been working my butt off. This has been my entire existence and I have nothing to show for it. Like things need to change because I no longer that no longer serves me. So how can I look at my circumstances and how can I look at life so that I'm more welcoming to, uh, to people, to experiences and uh, to all these new things and things that the, this earth has for us while we're here in this very short time. Um, and how do I access that? And who am I kind of within, within that realm? Uh, and it, it opened a lot of doors to like, you know, walking in the, walking in the path of happiness. And I, and I have to say, I'm very fortunate. I have a, one of my jobs at a, at a TV studio. They are, they, I continued to work for them about, I was, I had no work for quite a few months. And then I started working for that back for them back last summer. And so that alleviated a lot of the stress that came with uh, what COVID kind of took from me. Um, um, but the, the emotional journey and the personal journey that it has taught me is really unmatched to anything I've ever experienced in my life in good, good ways and bad ways. <laughs> I love that, that walking, walking happiness, I think is what you said. Like that idea of like, I don't know, just pulling the timeline up to the now 
and allowing the thing that you're, um, you know, that you'd projected out to exist right now in whatever, however that shows up right now. And the walking, I love that. Thank you for that. Brandon, how about for you? How is that happiness, chasing happiness been a theme? And it could be in the last year or it could be longer. Uh, well, I, I guess I should dive into one of my backstories. Um, so I studied to be an aerospace engineer at Cal Poly here in San Luis Obispo. And um, as I was going through that, I kind of realized that I wasn't happy studying aerospace engineering. Um, and I, I found that through um, my, my, my job on the weekends was pouring wine in a tasting room at a winery. And I realized that, hey, this is so much more fun than uh, eventually making missiles that will kill people. Um, and I, I, I had a bit of an existential crisis about that. And uh, eventually I was just kind of um, interested in pursuing or learning more about wine. I'm, I've always been a good or I've always been like a student in my life. I've always wanted to learn more uh, about everything. But uh, wine finally clicked for me in my mid 20s and uh, or early 20s, I guess, and was um, something that I started pursuing. I became a level one uh, sommelier. And then the, the owner of the winery that I was working at, at noticed my interest in wine and was like, hey, uh, we need an assistant winemaker for this this coming harvest. What are you doing? I'm like, guess I'm being your assistant winemaker. And um, so I, I left school and uh, became an assistant winemaker. And that was seven, eight years ago now. Um, and then more, more recently uh, during COVID or right before COVID, I, I finally left my position and uh, I was going to take some time to uh, figure out what my next move was. Uh, but, you know, COVID kind of put a damper on that, the pandemic. So I've been uh, out of work for the last year and kind of uh, started going, taking classes uh, in UC Davis's continuing education program for a winemaking certificate so I can boost my resume and continue seeking um, winemaking opportunities. And uh, I, I started my own personal private label um while i was while i was a winemaker so i'm in the process of getting uh that label bonded so that i can sell my wine commercially taking a quick break from the podcast to let you know that we have true north collective merch we're super pumped they are the cutest sweatshirts with the True North Collective logo on them. If you haven't seen them, we've been posting pictures on Instagram at the True North Collective underscore. If you are interested in getting your own and we would be so honored if you wanted to rock our swag, send us a direct message DM on Instagram, again, at the True North Collective underscore, and we can let you know how to get set up with some True North Collective merch. We love you all. We appreciate your continuous support. Let's jump back into the podcast. That's so cool. I I hear a lot in that of like saying yes to what shows up and allowing it to work for you. Um, I can relate because there are things that have been in front of me that I was resisting that because they didn't fit my my ideal picture of what they were going to be. And then when I was able to kind of like get over myself a little bit, um, 
and say yes to them, I was able to slowly allow them to expand and become what I want, what I was, what I wanted. So I hear, I hear that, um, which is really cool. Yeah. And it, and it, and what I hear from everyone is it all seems to boil down to like this false sense of control that we think we, we can control what's going to happen tomorrow, but we can't. And, but what we will see tomorrow are the, the things that we, uh, you know, the seeds that we had planted yesterday and whether or not we recognize that because our sense of control is like, well, this isn't what I, you know, I planted a tomato and what came out was a pepper. So I can't eat this because I didn't plant that exact thing. And if we could all just kind of like have go, going back to um, going back to trust, <laughs> if we can all have a little trust in what in what we have already kind of start the paths that we started walking in the paths that we created for ourselves, then I think we would all uh, we would all find that happiest a lot closer than it seems. Cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like all of a sudden you're, you're like, it's not a tomato, it's a pepper and it's not a tomato. I can't eat it. And so you starve and it's like, okay, well, the pepper is actually better than the tomatoes. You should just eat the pepper. <laughs> exactly. I, I really identified with something you said, Christy, that, um, your, your identity was kind of tied in with, uh, the, the work that you did and, um, having become so passionate about wine and, and leaving it to become my career uh, or leaving another career to, for that to be my career. I, I also kind of got wrapped up in that and um, being without it has kind of made me pull back and, and find that I'm not just defined by what I do or in terms of work. I'm, I'm, and I, I feel like I'm a happier person now because I'm not just uh I'm not just an assistant winemaker or not just the assistant winemaker. I'm, I'm Brandon and, uh, I, I do other things too. Nice to meet you, Brandon. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Christy. I love, is that the podcaster voice? Oh, sorry. Yes. I, uh, I love it. I, I dive into that every once in a while. I love it. We were talking about that the other week. Friend is like, I have like this like strong podcaster voice. I'm like, I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I just dive into it every once in a while. You're listening to Name Me 90. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I'm curious, like, for the group, too, because like we talk about happiness or, like, lightness or carefree, and it's this topic that, or this word, I guess, that we all think we know the definition to. And, of course, yes, there's, like, a dictionary definition to every word. Um, but how do you experience and define happiness or lightness? And I don't know, lightness is a word that, again, we've heard in the collective, our, our monthly community gathering and some of our other like workshops we've been doing. So if you don't connect with the word lightness, that's fine. But um, if you do, I would love to hear what your experience and definition is around it. Uh, we're just muting and unmuting here. Um, I, well, so you sent us some of these questions beforehand to kind of ponder on, on ourselves and um, having been a, a best man before and written a, uh, a speech to, to toast a bride and groom, I went to my classic Webster's Dictionary to find, um, sorry, no, I, I didn't. I, but I, I was kind of researching what is the actual definition of happiness to, so I can 
then go from the textbook definition to to fit into what I I think it is. But the weirdest thing was, like I was using words like contentment and joy and um, elation, and all of those words are either defined by each other or defined by being the active state of happiness. And so it was just kind of interesting to me that like it's I think it's a primal emotion that that we understand collectively as a society, but have no firm way of 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 um, defining it. Um, and that was my thought provoking thought uh, as I was trying to trying to figure it all out. What's, what is your experience of being happy for you? Um, I, it's, it's well, I, I wrote it down as as just pure joy or elation. But um, I, I, it was hard for me to to, to figure out exactly what it was for me. Um, like I, I'm I'm happy when I'm with my family um, because I don't see them that often. So uh it's i see them like once or twice a year and especially now with my niece and nephew being like five and seven i get to come in and be the cool uncle from out of state that gets them in trouble um and do fun stuff like that personally it's like when i i get to create stuff uh videos and uh um podcasts and stuff like that for um uh something something fun that uh, that is something fun to me. I, I like creating, I like editing. It's been something I've been doing uh, most of my life. And then um, I, but when I was thinking about how it expresses itself, uh, there's these artists named Matt and Kim, if anyone's familiar, um, they, they have these crazy music videos, but they're, they're constantly smiling in every single one of them. And like, they have this just amazing energy. So I watched a few of those this afternoon and that, that personally made me happy. Like seeing two people just enjoying life, uh, in, in such a way that, um, they're, they consistently have a smile on their face and are enjoying what they're doing. I don't know if that answered the question or not. I did. Christy, how about for you? I kind of went in a in a different direction. Um, and this is this is actually a subject that I have really been pondering and contemplating for, you know, it's something that I've been pondering and contemplating obviously my entire life, but no, no much more time than the past year where I, you know, there's no chance of going out really anywhere. And if you're going out, you're still in a state of kind of pondering and awareness and and for me, um, figuring out kind of those sources of happiness was more about finding out why I was like all of the sources and all the conditions for unhappiness. And when I started to really sit down and think about like all the all the things in kind of my existence that I that you know, I was either, either forgiving myself for, or trying to forgive other people for, or forgive the universe for, and trying to figure out exactly why I reacted in a certain way or why it made me feel that way. And the further I looked into my suffering, the more uh, happiness kind of started just bubbling up where I was becoming friends with all of the, all of the things within myself that maybe weren't, weren't, were, what's a good way to say it? 
all the things of myself that weren't very pretty, you know, that I didn't necessarily see while it was happening. But then when I finally had the time and space to kind of sit back and look at all those situations and find my place in those situations as, you know, as a person who was involved in it and maybe not a victim or all of those, all those other things that we may tell ourselves in, in you know, any given situation. And I started just saying, well, you know, labeling it, well, that was control. Like I was, I was, uh, I was unhappy because I was trying to control my directing, you know, I was, and I only wanted a, you know, back to, I only wanted a tomato and I got a pepper. Like I, like there were conditions to my directing that I wanted, that I, that had to be in place for me to, for me to think I was going to find that happiness. And then I would get there and realize, wait, this isn't, this isn't quite happening the way that I wanted it to. And I'm not feeling the way that I thought that I would feel having chased and cling and clung and all those other things trying to get there. And when I started to label all of the, all of the reasons why I was unhappy, control, time, impermanence, and I started becoming comfortable with all of those conditions, um, then I started to see things like, you know what? Uh, filmmaking is just a bunch of artists getting together and creating something that they're really proud of. And no matter how big or small it is, I always, you know, I'm a feature director. So I've been trying to get an, another feature film off the ground, but I've been doing micro series right now where I get to hang out with three of my very best friends. Well, I can't call them my very best friends, Sarah and Marie, who I, who are really good friends of mine. Um, I don't know them as well as other people. Um, but we just hang out and shoot a film a scene for three hours. And I've had, we're doing a third episode of this micro series that we started back at, back at Christmas. And every time we go out, we have a great time. And I'm, I'm really proud of what we're doing in these little four page scripts. So had I just been doing the art I wanted to do for the sake of doing it and for the sake of collaboration rather than like this image that I had in my head of what my life is supposed to look like, I would have been much happier this whole time. And how do I, now that I've learned that, like, how do I live that every day where, where that's what I'm, that's what I'm striving for. Those things are what I'm striving for rather than, rather than, you know, whatever else my brain wants to tell me is a condition for what my happiness should be. Cause it's, that's all nonsense. <laughs> so relatable <laughs> and we kind of got into my story already but I feel like I'm I've done the the part where it is and like trying to just focus on yeah to do things for the love of doing things right for the joy of doing things and that has cultivated a lot of happiness in my life and really checking in and being like what do I need right now I actually do want to go on a hike so I'm going to go on a hike because I have freedom to do that or I'm going to create right now because I want to create, or I'm actually feeling really compelled to be productive and do work on my computer. Um, and I don't know if any of us, of us have the answer here for that, but I keep asking myself, I'm like, how, like, I feel like this is how life, well, I'll say it not should, this is how I want my life to be now. How does one make a living off of it? And it's hard when we're talking about trust to also say like, does this even work in a society that necessarily hasn't functioned this way? And I think it can, but there probably has to be a different path to get there, or like a different solution to the answer. And I'm, I don't know if any of you have had like that experience of 
living in the joy and finding the joy in the day to day and then like still surviving because that's the two that I haven't been able to pair together. I mean, I feel like that's been literally since I met you, Janelle, it's like I left the safety of six figures and, you know, everything that could have like continued to keep me on the track of what, where society wanted me to be. And I couldn't do it anymore because I took this long bike ride and was just like, I want to be out here doing this stuff. And I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but I have to fucking jump. I can't, I'm dying. And I ended up in Milwaukee that ended up, you know, doing this stuff. And I think I'm in it still, I'm still figuring it out, but it's, it is interesting how like I can look at my situation as a tomato or I can start looking at it as a pepper. And the more I can look at it as the pepper, the more it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. Like this is happening. This is, this is okay. And, and then on a micro level, I have to still see the pepper a lot of times, like big picture I'm there, small picture. I have to like keep remembering each step that like, cause the stories I can tell myself of like, it's taking too long. I, this is proof that it's this, it's not that it's, I am this, I am not that is kind of, I mean, it's bullshit, but it's real in my head and then it's mirrored by society. So, um, well, that's the practice, the practice every single day you have to do is say, look, here's the pepper, <laughs> you know, and a lot of times I'll wake up and I'll, I'll not see it too, but you have to stop yourself and say, this is the pepper. I'm where, this is the pepper where I am right now is exactly where I need to be. And I just need to calm all the rest of that stuff. And it's not easy. It is absolutely 100% one of the hardest things that I do every single day. But if you continue to work on your trust and continue to work on seeing those things right in front of you, then, then ultimately your brain will catch up to the reality. I hope, I think, I feel like it's happening. <laughs> uh, this is a bad time to, to throw in a joke, but uh, in the winemaking community, there's an old adage. Um, we say that the way to make a successful winery and to make a small fortune in winemaking is to start with a big fortune. Uh, so the, I don't, for me personally, I don't know if, if um, my creative side is going to be other than through winemaking, but like it, in doing like podcasting and my YouTube stuff, I, I just do it for fun. It's a hobby for me. Um, I don't know if I can ever monetize it in, enough in a way to make myself live off of it forever. Um, but I'm also not actively trying to do that right now uh, because I enjoy my, my work in winemaking enough um, that it's, uh, I feel like that, that gives me happiness every time, every day for the last seven years when I was, when I went to work, I, I got to look around and think I get to do this for, for my work. This is, this is awesome. And uh, that, that was a great feeling to have and to not have it now. Uh, it's, it's alarming. Uh, it, it's, it's a little unnerving that I'm out of, out of my, uh, my kingdom um, of where, where I used to, used to be, but um, I'm working on finding a way back there. And um, on top of that, it's, uh, it's just, I, I got to, to live that the life of, being a winemaker but it wasn't again it wasn't about making money uh because 
wine industry doesn't pay well, folks. Uh, just just so everyone knows out there listening, um, it's it, it's very hard to make a living out of out of doing wine. But it's it's a good life. It's a decent pay and it's a good life um, to that. It's enough to make you want to chase it uh, over my what I would have done as an aerospace engineer. So something I was going to say something I'm hearing and maybe because I'm playing with this arena in my own life is we're talking about happiness and then we're also referencing it back to money which is interesting because I've been playing with that dynamic too, right? We think more happiness, more money, or at least I have. Well, more money, more problems. That too. Well, (laughs) I think that, I think that happiness is easier to see when you're not afraid of not having, you know, a roof over your head or an ability to take care of yourself. And I feel really fortunate. I started working at this TV studio um, literally seven years ago. And I was uh, the person who filled in. I was like the third call, like the person who filled in for the guy who filled in. Um, and I, I was, I think I worked for them like three days a year. And then all of a sudden um, I get a call from the guy who's the first call and he's like, okay, well, I'm thinking about retiring. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Great. Retire. <laughs> that would be fantastic. And because I had kind of planted that seed so many, so many years ago, that's like, that's the thing that has gotten me through this whole pandemic. And that company has taken such good care of me. And also like the producers that I work with, I do lighting there um, and technical supervising. And uh, the producers that I work with, they're very open to creativity. And then it started, you know, while I was kind of going through all these things with all this time that I had, and I had this epiphany, it was so weird. I, I was watching, uh, I was binge watching The Big Bang Theory and it just occurred to me like everything is creative. Our entire life is creativity. It doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's or you're working at a TV station or you know, you're living on the road or you're winemaking or you know, everything is creative that you can put. So if, then it became, a, became a, wait a minute, what I love to do is creativity and collaboration. It's not necessarily this thing that I had, that I had cultivated, that I thought that it's not necessarily this life that I had thought was what creativity, and it goes back to control. I was trying to control what creativity actually was and what it looked like. And a lot of times that was what was making me miserable because the conditions of my day had to rely upon what I was what I was defining as creativity. And then when I finally had that epiphany, like everything is creative. Getting out of bed is creative. Washing your face is creative. And when you when I started seeing everything as creative, things that I wasn't necessarily enjoying before suddenly became new like newness but I can't I can't say you know I I really I really want to make Janelle feel better but it's just it I mean there you're right there is like a sense of um, having that sense of security even if it's a false sense of security makes seeing that joy and that happiness a little bit more because you just have something less to one thing less to kind of worry about this is my, it's not bearing on any sort of research, but except my own personal experience, which is why we have this podcast. Um, I think it's a Western association because um, I went to Egypt right before um, the, the pandemic and 
I met some people that did not, that, that was the happiest, one of the happiest places I've ever been. Now, do they have problems? And, and yes, uh, totally. Like it is very poor and, but they were happy. They were, and I had a conversation with one of our guides there about that. I, I came back to the United States and it was a major, like, it was jarring to come back here and to see how much people have and how miserable they are. And so, and I'll say for myself, the less money I've made, the happier I've actually been. And, and now I'm not going to now associate, like make a lot less and then that's the thing either. But I, I don't think they have to be as associated as, um, and tied as they have been. Um, especially now, cause I actually wrote down the question, is there an ideal feel state? Because now what we've done is created a hierarchy of the emotions and put happiness at the top and said, you know, money, happiness, like here are the things now that are at the top of the ladder. And for me to go back to your original question, Janelle, um, I have often had people close to me say, Oh, I just wish that you could be content. And it was fucking sucked. Like I was like that it, it put me on a path that I chose of trying to make sure that I was happy for everybody else, because I thought that was where I needed to be in order for every, for everything to be okay. That's when everything's okay is when I'm happy. And what I'm finding now is that that's not true at all. Where I'm, where, where I actually show up and people can receive me and people are benefiting from me is when I can hold the expansiveness of my expressions. Um, so I don't, I don't think anyone was trying to mean anything by that. Like they were, you know, trying to be, you know, uh, recognize something and say what they wanted and they were trying to be kind. But um, ultimately I ended up chasing something that was not a, a state that can be sustained and it didn't make me happy. What, what, and it didn't allow me to show up for people in a way that made them happy either. And so ultimately it's like, I think the ideal state for me is full expression um, and being able to be okay in that fully expressed space, that's when I actually make the biggest impact on the people around me. Um, it's just kind of interesting. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up contentment, uh, because I, like I said, I, I did some dictionarying earlier on the definitions of all these things and content for me has a connotation of being, uh, like, settling for it a, a settled um happiness but it the the definition was like a state of happiness and i was like that doesn't sound right i i don't i don't really think that contentment to me means being happy it's it's like how you expressed it it's uh just you're like finally you're settling on happiness it's not like you found a, a thing that made you happy and i, I just thought that was interesting that our or at least my worldview has has warped something that's supposed to mean happiness to to mean something lesser and again I, i'm probably going to blame capitalism and uh, uh commercial uh stuff so um I'm, I'm wearing red today just for those not watching the visual visual version of this podcast I was just going to say, this, it's no secret that us here in the West have this uh, pesky materialism. And it's something that I've been thinking about uh, recently where it's, it's very frustrating to me that I feel most safe 
when I have the ability to purchase things. And then I started kind of like walking down that path of backwards on that path. Like, well, how did I get here that this is where I feel safe and comfortable? And then looking at just our society and everything that we've stand, stood for within capitalism, where we're, we're, we've sold this, you know, American dream idea of you have this huge house and you have, you know, all of these things that you're supposed to have when you, when you're an American that, but when you kind of chase it all back, it all, it, it all goes back to like advertisers, like our entire life is run by advertisers from the way that we think we should look that that's something that was that was created by like a middle-aged white dude back at the beginning of time who I mean for us for for women um I, I don't know you'll have to Brandon you'll have to enlighten me on uh, on those things from your side of the aisle but I but you can all trace trace it back to um kind of this an advertiser or something that someone's trying to sell to you but the fact that we as americans if you've never seen other cultures or never experienced that like we don't have an understanding that there is something beyond happiness beyond what you can put on your credit card and and we have this idea of what our li life and what our you know what our livelihood should look like based on based on a definition that who who created and any other way of living and any other way of kind of accessing life. If, if you look look at TV shows, I, I've been watching the Golden Girls recently um, and uh, I was just remembering uh, there's an episode of Boy Meets World when I was a kid that had Rue McClanahan in it. And she was like, to me as a kid, she was like that crazy aunt who lived in the RV and only came around every once in a while. And like, they sold it as if that was a bad thing. And now we're kind of realizing there's just so much time and space and so many things to discover, even within our own country. Like I, I'm always looking toward other countries to have different experiences, kind of like realizing now that we have so much to experience here that we, that we've been sold are not worth the experience that only crazy people do that. Only that crazy aunt who lives in the RV actually does that stuff. And the family's like not you know, the family, the family's not happy with it because she doesn't live within the confines of this, like this definition that was created by some like greeting card writer back in 1952, maybe earlier. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting if you kind of chase that down. I love that you had that idea because I was just joking with someone. Um, there's a show on Netflix, which is not funny, but about, um, Madeline McCain who went missing the disappearance she's like young girl on vacation and one of the suspects that they point out it's like this man living in a van on the side of the road da, da, da. and this was like I think in 1999 or something she went missing and I'm like it's so interesting because right in 1999 a dude living in a van on the side of the road traveling around was this dangerous yeah, like odd, non-accepted part of society. And now a dude like living in a van, I'm like, show me your bed in your van. Like, what's up? That's so cool. <laughs> and just like how it shifted, right? So I think we are starting to shift. Um, but like, I had that same sort of like epiphany of it, it's been this narrative and the narrative is starting to change. I think minimalism is starting to become cooler and, um, and more on quote unquote on trend as people start to shift their perspective. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I maybe skew more towards the minimal minimalism side of uh, the perspective and still also very much get security out of knowing I can purchase things or 
or the freedom of not having to go to the grocery store like I am right now and being like, ooh, do I really want to buy this item because it's actually maybe more than I can afford? Like that feeling sucks. And we like, you know, no one wants to live in that reality or I don't know, I don't want to live in that reality either. Um, so it's like an interesting balance. We are interrupting the podcast to let you know about the Creative Business Accelerator course from Meg's Colleen, who is a life coach and a creative consultant, also a friend of ours from the internet that we've had the opportunity to swap podcasts with. In this accelerator course, you can expect to break down big business difficulties, shift your mindset, and rise as the powerful human you already are. You are going to use a bit of neuro-linguistic programming, a dash of marketing, and the power of collective energy alongside so many more delicious strategies and tools. I have always wanted to be able to say this. We have our own promo code for this course. The promo code is TRUENORTH, all one word, and you'll get an extra $100 off the full price option and it's valid through May 31st. So we will drop a link in the show notes as well as that promo code if you are interested in joining Meg's and her community. Awesome, let's jump back in. Um, yeah, uh, you asked if, if uh, there was a difference between uh, marketing aimed at men and women, and of course there is, but, but I think it did stem back in, back in the 50s like you were talking about. Um, it's, you know, men need to be able to make enough money to provide these things for their housebound wife that has no uh, autonomy. And um, it's, it's just, I, it's, it has, I think, seeped into to the cultural conscious that men need to provide and uh, everyone needs to have giant houses and all money in the bank and stuff like that. And I completely forgot where I was going with any of that. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like this new minimalism movement might be might be accelerating because of the fact that a majority of the country does not make enough money to actually live in this country. <laughs> so now we have we have a lot of people who are like, okay, well, how can I find how can I carve out my little my little space of happiness with what I what I have rather than and it kind of goes all the way goes all back to it. How do I carve out that happiness for what I have rather than what I think, uh, you know, what I think I need based on what I was told equals happiness? Like, what is my own definition of it? And we can all live on less. And, and I think that living on less, actually, it's true. I think it does make you happier because then you're not, you stop striving towards stuff and you start like enjoying the sunset or enjoying the hike or enjoying the bike ride. And I think that we, you know, when we get on our bike, we often think of, you know, well, where am I going to stop or where am I going to get to, but we forget to kind of look around while we're doing it. And it kind of goes back to that everyday practice where you just always have to look around you and say, this is my source of joy in this moment. I, I remembered it was the minimalist thing that you were talking about. Um, my, my niece and nephew refer to my house as a garage because I live in someone's guest house uh, in, behind a main house. And my family that did come down were my, my aunts, uh, not from California. They're, it's um, not normal in Washington for people to rent out a guest house for people to live in the back of. 
Um, and I I'm only have access to half of this guest house. The other half is owned by the landlord and has a garage and a little little spare guest room for, for his uh, friends, or I think he uses it to shower after surfing daily but that's beside the point my my niece and nephew have continually asked how's the garage that you live in <laughs> uncle brandon i'm just like yeah uh not a garage it's a guest house um but it is small i'll, I'll let you i'll give you that but it's it's enough for me and uh i i, I enjoy where i live currently and uh yeah it's it's not a, a house. It's not where I thought it would be 15 years ago um, when I was a sophomore in high school, planning on moving to California for school. But it's uh, it's where I, I like to be right now and where I feel like I, I need to be. I was going to say earlier, too, that like it can be really easy when I'm when, we're, when I'm having these types of thoughts or conversations with people to be like, less is better. And like, what's the new better? It shouldn't be this, but really it's like each person's definition of happiness or contentment or whatever you want to call it is different. And like, I have friends who love working in corporate America, like it just works for them. And so like, I think what's comes up for me in that is, or what you were saying, Brandon, it's like, Okay. Or maybe it's, you have your happiness is in the projects that are your side things, you know, or your hobbies. And, or for some people it's like, no, it needs to be the thing that I'm doing every day. Um, but ultimately all of these things are needed in a society. It's just that cert because certain things are elevated as like being more valuable, it's like the divide just gets so big versus everybody being able to just do the things that they are passionate about and what, what they are good at or, or whatever that is. And we each are doing our part. And I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not an economist. I don't know how, I don't have the answer, but I've been having a conversation with DJ, who is my good friend, who's been on the podcast before about like, what if everybody just your job was to do what you are naturally good at and what you enjoy. And like, it kind of works itself out. <laughs> it might be idealistic, but then it's like the people who want to be the CEOs, like go be the fucking CEO. In, and I like, I know you're making a different level of decision, but for you, that might not be as difficult as like, if we put you in a position where you were having to hold a coaching space, that might be really, really hard for you. And so just because that is seen as a more hard decision, I don't know what the, you know, hierarchy is, but it, it just seems it's missed. It, the boat is missed as a little soapbox. Um, it, you keep skirting around it, but um, it, there's, and this is going to come from left field. I, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm a giant Trekkie. Um, but there's this whole idea um, in Star Trek where it, like two to three centuries from now, we live in a utopian society. The earth has come together and humanity is one, one people, uh, which, you know, even after this week seems less and less likely, but uh, that's, that's not what, the point I'm making. Um, it, the idea is that instead of having jobs, people have found, well, they have jobs, but instead of like, you know, being 
paid in money. It's just more of a contentment thing. You do the work that you enjoy doing. If, like you said, if you enjoy being a CEO, be a CEO. If you, if you enjoy, I don't know, farming, be a farmer. I, I've met plenty of people that are like, this is the life. This is working with my hands. That's, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. And that's not entirely for me. Uh, I, I like the winemaking side of things. I, I'm not, not entirely a, a farmer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all, everyone has, if, if we had the time and the, the resources, I, I think everyone could find what they were good at and help contribute to society while not just um, destroying it by forcing us all into boxes that we might not really want that might not make us happy. Yeah, I sometimes wonder too if there's the scarcity mindset affects that too. Like there, there's something in me that I daily have to battle and I hear that and I'm like, well, everyone would just be traveling around and no one would do any work, right? How would things function? And I don't really think that's as true as it, like the fear in my mind, which again, it's like, I want to live that way. So it's almost like a scarcity of like, but if I want to live that way, does everyone want to live that way? But I don't know if we, like I give myself and the world enough credit for like how unique we are and the things that we're interested in and the nuances and who we are and our skill set, how like there is enough, which probably goes back to trust, which is how I started this conversation. Well, also I, in that society, this made up world that we've created, it's not that you ever, it's a free for all. It's like, we're all contributing. So like, there is a contribution that is expected because you're a contributing member of society and we're each, you know, playing our parts. And so, and when I look at you, you're not just traveling around, you know, you're creating good shit that is like important. And, and so I think also I'm going to not let you play small right now. Um, there's what you're creating just because there isn't the value exchange that I believe should be there. Um, doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And like, that's the thing is like, what if these, these projects that you're working on that, that are changing people's lives were compensated because that is what your contribution is. Um, and that's a different way of, of looking at it. And, and I'm speaking to myself too, because I feel similarly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I was actually just talking to someone and sort of joking, but it, it kind of does go back to like value. And if you're tying monetary value or tying other types of value, but um, <laughs> This is such a silly example, but I was just talking about how like I'll go on these Tinder dates and I was like, you know what? I actually think I've had a huge impact on most of these people I've gone on dates with just like from my mindset being different or like who I am as a person. And I think we all have this, mind you. Um, but, and I'm like, I bet if you would go back and look at a lot of those people, they would say like that girl, that random girl, I might not even remember her name, but she had like an impact on, you know, my life. Like I remember I was hanging out with someone and he like wanted to be a photographer and had like all these excuses as to why he couldn't do it. And he was driving for Instacart and not that there's, you know, he didn't like that. Like that's not what he wanted to be doing. Um, but he had all these excuses why he couldn't be a photographer. And we basically sat there and I think for an hour and a half, I just went through like why all the excuses were bullshit, which is hilarious because I can't do this for myself, mind you, uh, <laughs> but for someone else very easily. And I don't know, we left and it was like, so really the only thing that's stopping you is you, you know? 
And then I ended up like, of course, sometimes we look back. I like, he ended up popping up somewhere because it was his Instagram account and he's a fucking photographer now, you know? And it's like, where, <laughs> when you think about like value and contributing to society, um, sometimes it is like, I, Rachel, thank you for saying that. Cause I actually really needed to hear that. And it's like, it's frustrating when you feel like you're contributing to society. And again, like finding my own happiness and doing things that I truly like, I think this podcast fucking matters. I think it matters a lot. Um, but then I tie my happiness and value, which they're not one in the same, but in this example, they both correlate to monetary amounts. Right. And if you're not receiving any money from it, like, yes, I can get satisfaction and knowing it impacted someone's life. And I do. And then I'm still again at the end of the day being like, well, what I need to pay my, like, I need that security too. Um, anyway, rabbit hole. Well, and your ability to do those things makes you quote unquote happier, which means that you're able to impact more people. It's just like the system needs, <laughs> it's very easy for me to be like, the system just needs to adjust. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, it does sometimes feel like a bar, a huge barge to try and shift, but like, what else are we going to fucking do? So I'm, I'm here for that having that conversation and being an advocate for it and, and a model for it for the rest of my life. Because if I'm not willing to do it different, then like, I can't expect the collective to do it different. So. Hey, 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 interrupting the podcast quickly to let you know about our upcoming workshop for May reconnecting to your true North, a workshop on roadblocks. What do you do right now when the road you're on starts to get bumpy or the plans that you've been working towards get disrupted or seem to be taking so long or maybe they're not even starting at all? I know Rachel and I both know this one probably way too well, but roadblocks exist in all parts of the journey because they are an inevitable part of life. And yet it's easy to forget that when they arrive, we have a choice in what to do next. That is what our May workshop is going to be all about. We are going to look at our default roadblocks and unpack the possibilities that they actually create. This space is going to unpack concepts, reflect, there's going to be light movement, and we're going to be able to connect and listen and learn from each other. We would love to see you there. For May, we're going to do a little special promotion for our podcast listeners, and we will be offering your first workshop for free using the code TNC podcast. If you type that in in Eventbrite, you'll be able to jump into your first workshop on us. And we hope to see you on May 6th at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Well, it seems like, you know, it going back to how you're impacting people kind of on your journeys and this and that way. Um, and it's to me, and it doesn't make it any more comfortable, but it seems like if you're impacting people, then that opens the door for poss you know, possibility that something that unexpected that could help you forward will walk through that door and kind of, and then it goes back to trust, it goes back to that trust practice of saying, you know, if I continue on the way that I am, then eventually something is going to come to me where I, where I will get that monetary value just because of, because of the impact that I'm making. Yeah. Thank you for anchoring it back into reality. <laughs> Cause we can sit here. 
I can be in fantasy land all day and be like, in the ideal world, it's this. And the fact of the matter is, is that the grass is always greener. And then when you get there, the grass is always greener <laughs> on the other side. So there's always going to be something to play with. And what I love about that is that you just brought it back to like, and within this current construct, how can you make what you're doing work for you? And what could that possibly look like? Yeah, the grass is, your grass will be greener if you water it. but I mean watering it you know it 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 might seem like it's not doing anything at first but eventually something's going to cultivate I need this (laughs) it's been a rough week (laughs) thank you um can I shift a little bit still on the topic of happiness um but this, this is a question I wrote down maybe it doesn't but do you all have any connection between happiness and shame? Like when you're experiencing happiness, does it ever tie back to shame for you? Sorry, I beat you on that one. Uh, So on, um, this was an interesting one to think about. Uh, I, my dad's side of my family is Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic. And um, so that whole religion makes you feel guilty about everything all the time. Um, not taking a swipe, that is, that is actually how, how that's designed. Uh, the, whole, the whole idea of penance is that you can identify your own guilt and uh, shame. And uh, it's, it's kind of, um, like I said, it seeps into all corners of, of life for that. And um, it's, it made me, when, when you asked that question, made me think, does that, like, there are instances where when you feel happy and others around you don't feel happy, I, I, I personally kind of feel like, is there something I can do to, to help them be happy? Like, I've, I've done... I've been able to, to achieve it. Clearly, if I'm able to achieve it, uh, someone else can achieve it. And um, not, not that this is a hypothetical, by the way, um, but in, in those, those instances, it's, it's very, I start to feel like, I, should I not, not be feeling the way I do? Because other people probably uh more successful or something uh higher than me don't feel happy and yet somehow i in this moment i'm able to to feel it and it 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 does make me make me feel somewhat ashamed of of actually being happy sometimes oh the old catholic guilt uh my dad's side of the family is Catholic. I grew up born again Christian, so it was a, a whole different, whole different conversation about that. But I think um, this past year and the fact that we've all kind of been sitting in one place, like with nothing to do but look at kind of the underbelly of our country and of our world, there has been no other time that the good old white shame. <laughs> has been very, has been very apparent. And I know, you know, while I was kind of watching things unfold on the news and, and, and marching in socially distant protests and things like that, um, just the, the ability to let go of a shame that has nothing to do with 
me as a person. Um, it, I've reorganized my thoughts about things because, you know, my entire life or our entire life or whatever, um, I, it has always, it has always felt like I've had to prove that I have earned, like I've always felt that I have to prove that I've earned. And I don't know if that's like a, a woman thing or, um, a, a white shame thing. Um, but it has caused a lot of suffering. So all of that stuff kind of being out in the open now made me really reevaluate like where that comes from and how to possibly deal with that as like this middle, almost middle-aged white lady. Um, and I think the answer to that and the answer to, of kind of releasing myself from feeling that shame was to be proud of, you know, the, the privilege that I have been off, you know, been given my entire life that I didn't necessarily see until things were so magnified that it was impossible not to see it. Um, and I don't know if that is because I didn't see it or because I was just told that, or I was taught that, um, you know, I was taught that it wasn't that way. And so I, and I believed it in a very false way because not believing it was, is a very uncomfortable thing to kind of deal with. And that's not something we don't want to deal with the discomfort of the underbelly of, we just want to pretend like everything's fine and just keep moving in our lives as if, um, as if none of that, none of that is actually there, but it is there. And what, what kind of opened the door to releasing me from that is, is, uh, identifying with that shame, labeling that shame, where it came from, why it is that way, tracing it back. I mean, I, we had a lot of time tracing it back through history of where all of this crap even started, how it's perpetuated. And then in my life right now, how to appreciate all the gifts that I've been given while also what can I do to help the, you know, to help the people and to help, uh, to help the people who have not had the kind of the privilege and the, and the, the life that I was just given without, you know, without having to work for it. Um, and I think that, that, that idea of helping other people is kind of what can release us all from, um, you know, the shame and from the, the sins of the past and things like that. And if we all work together in order to kind of push forward, um, for a better, for a better world for everybody, then, then all of that would kind of eventually disappear, I would hope in this utopian world. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate so much the unpacking, because I think it's very easy to just like, hear shame, experience shame and shut down. Um, when you first said that, Janelle, which is kind of similar to what Christy's saying, the first thing that came up for me was survivor's guilt. I've experienced that like a lot. Um, and I am a teen cancer survivor. And so like, why would I survive instead of somebody else? And then really like not feeling that shame stopped me from being able to show up and make an, make a difference with my life or do something with my life. It, it, it's not even that I had to make a difference, just even like living. Um, and so it was just like this really gross spiral that basically paralyzed me. And um, to be able to unpack and sit with that, um, I was able to start living. And, and it wasn't about trying to be either or, it was acknowledging what was and allowing it to breathe and allowing myself to sit with it so that I could then, um, I guess, live 
I don't know if I'm really answering the question, but that's what came up for me when you you asked if they were associated. Um, and I do believe that sitting with anything and, and um, unpacking it a little bit is like, we just don't do that. We're just like, go, 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 go. What's the answer? Give me the 10 steps. I'll, I'm doing them faster than everybody. Look at how good I am. <laughs> and like, if we just sat for a little bit in that, um, there's, there's, there's stuff there. Um, so. Yeah. I, um, I asked the question, cause I was just like, I don't know what, are, like one of my questions about happiness is I was sending that email out to y'all. And I think in some ways I've found that when I'm happy and when I'm living the life I want to live, and this has been a, a journey that's changed over time, but sometimes I don't want to proudly state it because it might trigger other people or make them question their life. So sometimes when I'm really happy, it's like, I'm just going to go be happy about myself over here because I don't want anyone to like bring it down or to like show up really happy. I don't know if you all have ever had that experience. Like you're just elated. You're happy. You had a great day. And then you walk into the room and someone else is just completely miserable. And then the fact, or maybe they're just even in the middle, but the fact that you're happy almost like triggers them to realize that they're not happy. And then that's like being reflected back at you. And it almost like takes you down with them. And of course, like I'm in my own responsibility for being like sucked into someone else's emotion. Um, but it, it just brought some things up for me. Cause then it's like, Oh yeah. Like I being happy isn't always celebrated as much. Like we like to commiserate together. Like there's bonding and commiseration. I, and correct me if you guys disagree with me, but like, I think sometimes there's more bonding and commiserating together. And maybe this is just being from the Midwest. Too. I don't know. People are like, you know, we're in it together. The weather sucks. It's cold, but we're here versus um, the celebration sometimes in the happiness and the good things. And so I've just kind of found like when I am happy, I've, I've found the people that I can go to, to be like, look at me, I'm happy and know that they'll be happy for me for being happy. But I also feel like that might not be the majority as much as I think I'd want it to be. And there are other people that I don't like to celebrate my happy with happiness with, because I feel like I end up leaving feeling like I shouldn't have been happy because they're not happy. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, no, I, I, I've definitely experienced that before. Um, but it, I think it, it stems to, like I said earlier, it's, it's like, you don't feel like you should be able to be happy if they're not happy and, uh, or they, they have that negative experience, um, or triggered, uh, experience to, I don't know if they're even aware that they do it when, when they're like, Oh, you're happy. I'm going to shit on that for you. Um, but it's to me when that, when that happens, it's like, um, are, are those people actually your friends if they're going to to shit on you when you're happy and um expect you to commiserate with them the entire time like and this is an open question i'm i i my closest friends the people that i i actually refer to as friends would never uh take me down if i'm feeling happy and um i even if they were in a bad mood and I, I, I don't feel like they, they would try to bring me down, but I would personally bring myself down to try and help them out instead of focusing 
on my own success or happiness or what have you in that situation. And um, I, I, it's, I wrote down that if, if their suffering's connected to you, obviously that's, that's shameful, but if you're, if it's not, you should be off the hook. But I also wrote down that you could also try and help make others happy too. And that's, um, that's just something that I've always been ingrained in my head because I, I, I'm a people pleaser. I, I like to make sure that everyone's feeling good if I'm able to feel good. And I, I know that's a double-edged, double-edged sword because it's, um, definitely isn't, the healthiest way to live your life but it also is something that i i don't know how to not do i think it's halfway between there actually and it, like i feel like happiness begets more happiness and when you express exactly how you're feeling when you're feeling it regardless of what your friend in the room is feeling and it, it kind of then crosses over to, you know, when you're in that room, do you have that space for compassion for that person? Uh, so, you know, you're, you walk the room and someone is, is not happy with your happiness. And instead of feeling that shame, you know, why are you not happy? You know, what can I do? But what I have, what I have found that's, it's a difficult situation, but it just kind of depends in the moment of, of what, what you have to give and what they are offering you. Um, but what I have found, um, in my own kind of my own journey is if I actively, and it goes back to kind of like a daily practice, if I actively practice and celebrating the people around me and celebrating their success, then that creates more happiness for them. Then when you have, when I have success and I'm happy about that success, then that, you know, that cultivation that I have created through that kind of daily practice and celebration of life and the people around me comes back in those moments. And then it's not, you know, and there's always going to be, there's always going to be people who uh, for whatever internal reason, they're going to, they could respond negatively to your unhappiness, but those people will exit themselves out of the situation because it's not that they're you know, it's not that they want you to be unhappy, it's that they don't understand how to handle their own discomfort or their own unhappiness. And that that's work that they need to unpack themselves, uh, but they need to see it themselves before they can unpack it. So it might come out in a way that's very, uh, not very nice to you in the moment, but they, they, will, they will eject themselves from that situation. And then you're just kind of dealing with, okay, well, how am I gonna respond to this person exiting because I'm changing or I'm happy or these things, you know, this is what I'm presenting and they weren't on board with it. Um, but those like, you know, like Brandon said, those people are probably, they're, they're either going through a lot um, and they need to unpack it or they're just simply not your friends and not there for the right reason. And their exit will be more beneficial than, um, than if you just like allowed them to make you feel shame for, for your success. Yeah, I, I, I love the nuance that you brought in there because I think it can be really easy to go into the cold cancel culture of like, well, you can't show up for me, so you don't, you're not in my life anymore. And what I actually heard there was um, there's an opportunity to kind of 
examine your own discomfort with the fact that they can't show up. Um, there's an opportunity to see, to cult, you know, potentially cultivate within yourself the compassion um, or the the stance of like, how can I, you know, celebrate? How can I be what I want people to be for me um, so that it does come back to self? And then again, like sometimes people will eventually just exit out. Um, but that is, that's a lot, again, it's like digging in a lot further to do your own work um, and, and not taking the responsibility on of doing other people's work, which is <laughs> so much easier said than done in the fast pace of everything. And the way that we have been trained, it, it's like really slowing down enough to like find those nuances and to honor self while also honoring others um, is what I'm hearing from, from all of us in different facets. Cause there isn't just one, one right way. I will add that I've also not only been the person that's felt happy in the room and felt the need to hide it, but I've also been the person that has been triggered by other people's happiness too, you know? So it like, it goes both ways. And, um, in the conversation, it's like, we all have it. So there is that grace aspect as well, where hopefully it's not an ongoing thing, but I've definitely been on the receiving end where someone is so happy and they walk in and I'm just like, why the fuck are you so happy? <laughs> After having a bad day. Right. And you're just like, get out of my face. Like I can't handle your happiness right now because I'm not happy myself. And like, that's a hard place to be. Right. There's a lot of like self-regulation and that to be like, okay, checking in, there's something going on here. Like, can you separate you from that person's happiness? And Christy, as you said, like celebrate them while still knowing that you have work to do. And like, there's a lot of a lot of in-between and what happens between that initial reaction and that situation. Um, and then hopefully how, how you display it outward, but you know, it goes both ways. So no one is perfect. Um, and how we, we experience and show up all, at all times. Yeah. And I think the, when you're the person, and I think we've all been the, you know, the person who is upset with other people's happiness. I think we've all been on both sides of it, but I think the important thing is when you're the person who is unhappy, like, seeing your reaction to the happiness and understanding, like trying and having that awareness to want to understand what that reaction is and where it came from and whether or not if, you know, if they walked in the room, you're like, screw you, you're unhappy. Like I hate you or whatever cancel culture. Um, is it really, did they really earn that reaction from you? Or maybe are you kind of reacting to something within your own life that you need to unpack within yourself? Uh, because sometimes, honestly, you know, it could be, it could be triggered from a human, that human being that did something. It, I mean, it could go either way, but like identifying what that is so that you can uh, properly express uh, kind of what you want in that moment for your own, like to spare yourself some suffering, because I think I know I've been the person in the room who reacted improperly to, you know, my own problems to some, you know, projecting my own problems on somebody else. And act, ultimately the reaction that I gave them caused me more suffering than had I sat back and said, Hmm, I'm reacting in an unpleasant way. Let me unpack why I feel unpleasant and just not react to the world of what this unpleasantness is because it might not have anything to do with what the world is in front of me. Um, and let me, what can I do to spare myself that, you know, that suffering that I'm going to create not only for myself, but that friction I'll create for the other person. Cause you could get home and be like, oh, it was because I was hungry. And then be embarrassed by, you know, flying off the rails that someone 
someone had something good for them to happen. So it's like trying to spare yourself from that. And I, I know in this past year, I've really practiced, practiced that where I, instead of reacting initially, I kind of step back and say, well, okay, what is this reaction? And I have to say that I have, that has opened the door for so much more joy for me because then I'm not, you know, I'm not wallowing in this shame of, you know, I reacted improperly to something that I shouldn't have. I see. Oh, go for it. I was going to just say, I just see you doing the work and I just like, I see you, Christy, like, fuck yeah. Also, I think you just said that you back into happiness, which I kind of love, like you back up in order to get to joy and like, so you don't chase it, you back into it, take it or leave it. I'm done. Love it. I was just going to make a joke about, I'm taking away that both peppers and tomatoes are awesome today. That's my, <laughs> that's my takeaway. They're both great. Love them. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, so we finish all of our conversations by asking the group, how do you live your true north in one word? We'll go for it. Whoever I would like to share first. <laughs> I keep It's like a game show. I keep waiting. Um, I, th I think I'm going to end with the same word from the original podcast that we did, which is always gratitude gratitude and and what we have and what what is coming to us and the path that there we're walking and if you can if you can take a step back and just have joy in how things are and gratitude for all of the things that had to happen so the four of us could be on this call right now like there there's there's really uh, no other way north than than continuing for that humble gratitude Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I, I will have to go with, um, ah, this is a hard one. Love. Let's love, love hard, love fast. Um, love yourself, others, and, uh, find what you love in the world so that you can do it. And that will guide you to find your true North. It's hard to go wrong by following something that you're passionate about something that you are uh, solely and truly in love with. And um, it's, I guess that's my, my one word. Are we answering Janelle? Yes, we are. Okay. My word today is tenderness. My double word today, I normally take this very seriously, but this is very serious to me, is vegan muffins. I'm not going to give you an explanation, but vegan muffins today was my true north. I, I thought you were going to say bell peppers. <laughs> vegan muffins and bell peppers combined together. That would be good, I think. The carrot cake, but pepper cake. I'm in. <laughs> You may awesome. get it, I'll eat it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for jamming with us. Like, I know we both love these conversations so much and it's just great to take these really big topics that we hear a lot in the, the wellness and the, the help self-help space and break it down and be like, what does it actually look like? What does it look like from multiple different perspectives? What does it look like to wrestle with the topic at hand and not just be like, here's my perfect answer of what, of what happiness is, right? Because it's, it's different. It's an experience. It's an unpacking. It's so many things. So we appreciate you all sharing and being here and 
interesting game to play. And I don't think I said this before, but you're both strangers from Instagram too that have become like a part of this community, which I also love because it's just so fucking cool. Like how we can be a community and um, have cool conversations like this from, I know a lot of times people like social media is the devil and like, look at social media is actually, um, you know, not without its flaws, but it has all brought us here to have a really cool conversation on happiness. So thank you. Yes. I'm grateful that we are Instagram friends and now real friends. Exactly. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.